Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. I thought that that um, song was particularly important for us this morning as we uh, get ready for what is happening. I know some of you are thinking about the Super Bowl, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's something really important that starts on Wednesday. It's not Valentine's Day. I know it's a really weird coincidence that these two days collide with each other. But I'm talking about Ash Wednesday and the start of what we call the Lent season. Um, and, and the Lent season is a season really like that, that song we sang uh, kind of in a lot of ways encapsulates what the Lent season can be about. Uh, remembering the trial, the fire that we walk through, acknowledging uh, our limited capacity as humans and just saying, but you are good, God. One of the things that often goes along with the Lent season and, and Ash Wednesday in particular, unfortunately we won't be doing this service here at this campus, but at our Mawa campus we will um, uh, this year on Wednesday is just a time to receive ashes. And there's nothing special about the ashes. There's nothing that is per se uh, in the Bible about them specifically. It's not a, a ritual that means anything in terms of your relationship with God, but it's a practice that's been a part of the church since the early church, at least the 300s AD. And one of the reasons for it is the ashes remind us that humans were created out of dirt. And to dirt and dust we will return. That there is something, as much as God has plan and purpose and there's victory and all of these things that are true of the gospel, how many of you know that the victory of Easter comes through the death of the cross? And so if we want to recognize that position of frailty, that position of, of our own human weakness and put ourselves in proper submission and humility with our relationship with God. What the Lent season does is it helps us remember that we are created creatures. We are humans, we have limits, and we are dust, and to dust we will return. And this is a healthy perspective, especially for us in a culture uh, that is uh, very much uh, us-centered, you-centered. It's a culture where um, we are constantly trying to do things like uh, self-actualize. What is the best possible me I can be? And don't get me wrong, we just finished this series on sanctification, talking about God's plan for your, your fullness and your fruitfulness and purpose, right? Uh, but, but also, like, we, we balance this with the challenge in our, our culture of, of it, it is all completely about me. Uh, there'll probably be a lot of Super Bowl ads that you watch later that are focused on you and how this thing is going to be better for you and make your life better. The other thing that happens in this kind of uh, us-centered culture is we're very, very pain-averse. How many of you just love pain in your life? I mean, just, it's, I'm just so thankful for all of the discomfort. No, of course not. We, hate, we, just, we don't like pain and discomfort and things like that. Uh, we see this all across our society, and sometimes there's helpful aspects to, to, 
to, uh, you know, coping with pain, and there's healthy ways to cope, but there are very unhealthy ways of coping with pain, but we tend to just be very pain avoidant. Uh, uh, the healthcare industry has a whole kind of pain management industry uh, as well, and, and they said that, uh, I think this was in 2022, the pain management industry was going to be worth about $72 billion dollars in 2022. The pain management industry is expected to reach about $97 billion in the next like nine years. $97 billion. So much. uh, There's a whole industry in a money-making world built around escaping pain or managing pain. Now, some of that, obviously, people are dealing with some chronic health issues. There's a huge need for it. I'm not trying to say don't don't help with the pain, uh, but there it just goes to show just how much time we spent trying to spend trying to avoid pain. People that are struggling with substance abuse issues, workaholism can be uh, something to avoid pain. Uh, so many different things. Exercise can be used to avoid pain. F- uh, food can be used to avoid pain. Uh, sometimes we are big people pleasers. Is anyone a chronic people pleaser? Like, I'm just really afraid of what they're going to think, and I don't want to disappoint them, so I'm just going to say yes, even though I really don't want to do this. Uh, that, that can be a sign that we're trying to avoid pain. We're trying to avoid the discomfort that comes with someone feeling disappointed that we didn't go along with what they wanted to do. We tend to avoid pain and discomfort as much as we can. And what Lent invites us into is a practice of faithful struggle. Lent is a season where we can practice faithfully struggling and wrestling with discomfort, with pain. This includes things like undealt with sin, grief, loss, all of the things that are just like, oh, this is not what I want to talk about right now. And, and so Lent is a season, a space in our lives that can help us focus on this in our lives, and especially when we live in a world that spends so much time averting our attention from pain. Lent helps us grieve losses well, deal with sadness, to recognize we aren't in control, that we're, we're human, we don't have all the answers, as I've said. It invites us to experience suffering in a way that doesn't, as Paul said earlier, it doesn't end without purpose. It invites us into a kind of suffering and a kind of dealing with pain that has purpose, that brings about redemption. How many of you want to be able to deal with the discomfort and the pain in your life in a way that brings about redemption? I, I've had disappointments in my life. You've had disappointments. You have had pain. You've had traumatic things happen. You've had struggle. And man, wouldn't it be amazing if there was no limit to the redemption that God could do from the pain of your past? And I think that that's true of the gospel. But for us to be able to experience that redemption, like I said before, what's on the other side of the resurrection, we need to walk through the cross. And so Lent is a season of 40 days, not including the Sundays, that uh, helps us prepare ourselves spiritually, if you will, to have our our minds and our our lives kind of considering uh, the journey towards the cross and ultimately to Easter and resurrection. 
So it's a way for us to practically do what every disciple of Jesus has to do, take up our cross and follow Jesus and prepare spiritually for this time of Good Friday and Easter. Um, As I mentioned before, Lent has been a part of of the church since almost its beginnings. About 300 AD is the first time we see it kind of formalized. And it's a season of fasting, of confession, of dealing with grief, loss. It's a special time to examine oneself in light of of scripture and and what the spirit is saying to us. And this can be seen uh, to us often as very inconvenient It can be something that we want to avoid, like I said, in a pain-averse culture. But I want to present to you just a few ways this morning how Lent is a gift for us in the world that we live in. And so uh, what I want to do this morning is just share very briefly uh, three things, three ways that Lent reminds us and how it serves as a reminder for us so we can practice faithful struggle that prepares us for victory. So we're going to read out of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, We're going to go through uh, verse 1 through 11. This is not, I just want to be clear, sometimes it gets uh, confused when when these topics get connected with these scriptures. Uh, This is not per se a scripture passage about Lent. You won't find that in the Bible, but the the principles that are practiced in this season, uh, we certainly find in Hebrews and they can be helpful for us. So we're going to read and just look through different sections of Hebrews chapter 12 this morning and, and talk about some ways that Lent is a gift for us and a reminder for us in this season. So this first, let's read verses uh, 1 through 4 in Hebrews chapter 12 as we talk about the first reminder. Lent reminds us to fix our eyes on Jesus first and foremost. It says this in Hebrews, uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. This first reminder uh, for us is that Lent reminds us to fix our eyes on Jesus. The author of Hebrews uh, was trying to encourage faithful struggle in this Christian community that he was writing to or that she was writing to. It could be a couple of different authors or possible. And um, uh, they're writing to this community, encouraging them to, to follow Jesus faithfully, to enter into the painful struggle that this life brings, to not shy away from the pain because it will truly bring about God's purposes. And so the writer of Hebrews says first and foremost that Jesus is our focus here. 
If we're going to be able to walk through the pain, we need to point our eyes first and foremost to Jesus. We need to fix our eyes first and foremost upon Jesus. Jesus did not ask us to do anything that he did not do himself. Remember, Jesus is not just God and he kind of dipped into this human thing for a little bit. Jesus took on our humanity, the scripture says. He became human. The word became flesh fully God and fully human. This means that Jesus experienced pain and suffering in many ways like you and I did. In fact, earlier the writer of Hebrews says that he he experienced all of this that we experience as humans yet without sin. He experienced all of the disappointment, the trials, the pain, the suffering, yet he faithfully suffered. He faithfully suffered, and just as our, he is our author and the perfecter now of our faithfulness, because he faithfully suffered. And so we have to look to Jesus, and this is why the writer of Hebrews says, look, if you look to Jesus, you won't become weary and give up on yourself. As you're in those moments of pain, of struggle, of trial, as you're in the Lent season and and you're just faced with uh, the weakness and the limitations of your life as a human, you don't just get to sit there and the end of the story is you're weak and you're insufficient. The end of the story is you get to look to Jesus and when you look to Jesus, you are not weary and you can run the race well. You can faithfully struggle because you look to the one who is the author and the perfecter of your faithfulness. And so Jesus is not inviting you and I into anything Jesus has not already done. You are not being invited into a journey of pain that he has not already gone through ahead of you. And even the writer of Hebrews says, he, you have not even suffered to the point of death like he did. He's gone farther than you and I have. He's gone farther in defeating death. And so Lent reminds us first and foremost that this pain has purpose when we look to Jesus. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. But secondly, not only does Lent remind us to fix our eyes on Jesus, Lent reminds us that the Lord's discipline is good. That's why I loved that song we sang this morning. All my life you have been faithful. All my life, even through the fire. I love this in Hebrews 12, starting in verse 5. It says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. So that we might share in his holiness. The Lord's discipline is good. Um, discipline kind of has a is, is a bad word 
Does it, did anyone feel the cringe a little bit as we read that? Like, they're like, ooh. Uh, I don't know about you, but there are some moments in my life that I, would, that I can think about as being a child where I would prefer the Lord not discipline me like my parents did. You probably have some of those moments coming to mind. Maybe that was uh, one or two experiences in your childhood. Maybe that was all of your childhood. Uh, So I want to be clear, and the author of Hebrews is being clear here as well, uh, that this discipline is not about retribution. This discipline is not about uh, God has some kind of need that is not getting met and is going to take it out on you. Uh, this is not God saying, being vindictive. This is not God being like, you disappointed me, so I'm going to punish you. I don't want you around, so I'm going to punish you or discipline you. We, we need to understand, and this is, this is what they, the writer of Hebrews gets at, that, that you know what, your earthly parents did what they knew how. Some of that was helpful, not helpful, somewhere in between. But God's discipline is always good. So, so there's a redemption that we need to do in what discipline is in our minds and our thinking. Otherwise, we're going to be like, stay away from me, Jesus. Don't bring that punishment and that discipline into my life. But the Lord's discipline is always good for us because he loves us. In fact, uh, he, he goes so far as to say, the, the author of Hebrews goes so far as to say that, you know, If you're not his kids, he's not disciplining you. Oh, I'm so thankful (laughs) that I'm counted as one of his kids. But that does mean something. He wants to discipline me. Here's here's just a a way of of rethinking about discipline. Let's get it out of the, uh, what what tends to get associated with parental discipline, which can be healthy, unhealthy. There's different versions of it. Uh, I'd I'd love if we thought about discipline more in terms of like an elite athlete preparing for something. This is what uh, he gets at earlier in in chapter 12, that that we need to strip off every weight of hindrance, all these things around us. We need to run with endurance the race of God. I want to think about discipline more like a marathon runner preparing. Tim and Alyssa, if you've seen, if you follow them on on their Instagram, Tim and Alyssa and I, they're preparing to run the uh, Chicago Marathon, is it, right, in October? Uh, they're they're going to, I know, they're, they're impressive. That's, wow. Yeah, you guys are cool. Um, I don't know how they're doing it. Four little kids, and they're both training to run the Chicago Marathon. That takes discipline. That, that takes a persistence. That takes, you know, if, if, you, if you guys just showed up, I mean, you guys are very talented runners, but I'm sure if you just, like, didn't do any work and you just showed up, it'd be a rough day. Yeah. And so you train, it's a few miles at a time, and then five miles, and then it's 10 miles, and I don't know if this is anywhere near what you guys actually do, but is it, and then it's like 15 miles, and you're building the stamina, and you're building the endurance, but you can't get to that place of running that whole race well unless you are disciplined. And how many of you know in this life, sometimes we know what we're doing, but a lot of times, eh. The more honest we get, I think, we start to go, I don't, don't know what I'm doing most of the time. And we need the discipline of the Lord to help us run the race well. 
It, it, is, it is the Lord, his good discipline that cares. Like God, if we rethink about this discipline in light of God saying, I've got you, I'm cheering you on to the room. Here's what you gotta correct because you're not gonna get there if you keep doing this thing over here. That's not gonna, you know, if you keep, if you keep skipping those running days, you're not gonna get there. That's the Lord's discipline. I, I just remember with one of our kids the other day, like they had to ha- have like back-to-back timeouts because they did the same thing twice, like immediately. And this was God's grace upon me that I didn't freak. The second time I just said, we talked about it. Okay, you know what you did, right? Why is it important that you have this timeout again? And you need to remember this. You need to be kind, like, and just tried to like put it in this frame of, I'm help, this is going to help you for your life. This is discipline, not because I got annoyed at you. Try not to let that happen. But God's discipline is so much more than even the best parents on earth could do. So much better, so much more loving, and it has so much more purpose in it than anything a human parent can do. And so God's discipline, we need to understand, is always good. I think about, uh, it can be painful, though, to enter into this discipline. Are there days where you guys just don't want to run? Yeah, you're just like, I don't want to do this today. But you do it. It's painful, it's uncomfortable, it's inconvenient. You have to move things around in your life in order to make it happen. And, and so the Lord's discipline, growing in God and growing into faithfulness in Jesus, carrying our cross, becoming disciples, means we've got to do it when it's not convenient. We've got to do it when, it, when it's, I'm just, I can't today. You know, you, I love, you know, you love Psalm 23? It, it's this, oh, we love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. It just makes me lie down in green pastures. And we're just so thankful. And then it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we just keep going without thinking about what that rod and that staff were for. I'm like, I, I was thinking, I've, I've got this, I, I've come back to this psalm over and over and be like, this psalm gets framed in just this like beautiful, like, oh, it's so nice and comfortable. If that sheep was running away, from the flock, the shepherd would take that shepherd's rod and just yank the neck of the sheep and yank it back in. Get over here. It hurts the neck a little bit, but it's not going to get eaten by a wolf. It's learning where to go, what fields are good, what places, when it goes to that, that valley of the shadow of death, it's describing these like ravines where sometimes sheep would go down into wandering and they would, they would lose their way and they couldn't get back out and there would be these quick like flash floods through those ravines it would drown the sheep. They'd get caught in them. That rod and that staff, they definitely comfort me. When you think about it, don't go down there. It's gonna kill you. And, and so, the, and then the rod, the rod gets used. You cannot get counted as one of the shepherd's sheep and get counted every night in the pen unless you pass under that rod. It gets used. Every sheep gets counted. And it passed under. And, and sometimes we're trying to avoid the rod of God and still get into the pen. Like, that hurts. But it's good. 
and it truly comforts us. He wants to make sure you're counted because if he counts and he's like, wait, there's one missing. This is what the parable of, that Jesus told about going out to find the one lost sheep because he had 99. He counted. They passed under the rut. No, 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 no. Someone's missing. Hold on. Let's go back and get them. Come back here. Come back here. See, see the shepherd disciplines us. Jesus, his discipline is good, but, it, but we have to be willing to go there to the places in our lives, the, the undealt with sin, the grief and the loss, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, these things that weigh on our souls. If we do not allow the good shepherd to yank on those things in our lives and pull us back to his heart, we get stuck in the ravine. You have to be willing to go there. You have to be willing to engage these spaces. And and what Lent does is Lent reminds us that his discipline is good and that this pain is not for pain's sake. This pain has purpose. This pain and opening yourself up and being honest about what's come up in your life and the things that are undealt with, going there and dealing with these things is so they can be redeemed because his discipline is good. See, if you're not willing to go there, you're not going to grow there. You're not going to have these places in your life that are dry. The places in your life that you just like, I'm t- there's nothing I can do about that, so I'm just leaving it there. If we don't go there, you're not going to grow there. And he wants to redeem those places in your life. So we need to be reminded in this Lent season that as we examine ourselves, as we confess sin, as we deal with grief and loss, remember that we're dust and to dust we'll return. We remember that the Lord's discipline is good. And finally, not only does Lent remind us to fix our eyes on Jesus and that the Lord's discipline is good, but finally, Lent reminds us that fruitfulness follows faithful suffering. Fruitfulness follows faithful suffering. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it just simply says this, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Biggest understatement ever. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. As we've said over and over this morning, discipline is not for discipline's sake. Discipline, faithful suffering, going there, dealing with these things in our lives, examining ourselves, saying, I, I, I need help with this. I need to confess this. Whatever the, the issue is that comes up during Lent, you need to understand that when redemption comes, there is peace in that space in your life that you may have never experienced before. The writer of Hebrews calls it a harvest of peace. A peaceful harvest. Can you imagine like the things, think just for a second, that thing in your life that brings you so much anxiety, you just don't go there. Can you imagine experiencing peace in that place in your life that goes beyond all understanding? Lent reminds us that 
Fruitfulness always follows our faithful suffering. Faithful suffering means that we're willing to go there, that we'll, we're willing to deal with these issues in our lives because there is a harvest of peace. There's a contentment that overcomes us when we deal with these challenges in life. There's a trust in God that is unmoved, that goes down deep to the bedrock of your soul. So I love that song. It was such a good song. You guys picked such a great song this morning. I will sing of the goodness of God. We're not singing that song from a place of, I hope it's real, and I'm just going to keep singing it and ignore the problems in my life. God's good, God's good, God's good. That's a song that's sung on the other side of faithful suffering. That's a song that's sung going like, I know I was there. I went through the fire. I went through, and he was there with me. And he's still there with me. I went through that season of doubt and he's still there with me. I went through that season of suffering and he's still there by my side. I hear his voice, the voice of the shepherd. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they hear my voice. I know his voice. I love your voice. I hear it. It's grown stronger the more that I've gone there. And a trust in God. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A fruitful harvest of peace comes in to the places where we have suffered faithfully. This Lent season, can I just ask a a challenge, an invitation, however you want to put it. Will you suffer faithfully this Lent season? Will you choose to suffer faithfully, to to go there, to trust? All right, you know what? Like in the past, I've just thought like, I'm not showing and talking to this about, I'm talking with this about anyone. I'm not talking about this with anyone. But will you just suspend that? I want to invite you to just suspend that for this 40-day season and say, what if his discipline is really good? What if there really is this peaceful harvest on the other side of this? What if I were to really go there? I want to invite you to just just test the Lord in this, to say, God, I don't know. I'm I'm not in control of this process, but but there's something in this that you're speaking to me, and, and I want to jump into that. I want to invite you this season where you suffer faithfully so you can see the fruit on the other side. Just very quickly as we close, practically as we enter into this, I want to invite you, something we're doing across our whole church, four practical invitations for you this Lent season that are going to help you to fix your eyes on Jesus. They're going to help you receive the Lord's good discipline, and they're going to help you faithfully suffer to see the fruit on the other side. Uh, let, me, let me give you these very briefly as we, as we wrap up. The first one is repenting. We must learn to repent well. Uh, that daily practice of considering and reflecting on the day uh, and, and saying, huh, okay, here's where maybe I missed the moment. Here, here's where I missed something maybe you were doing, God. Lord, I, I pray that you would make me attentive to this tomorrow. 
when I come into that same situation. Engage with it that way. You might have un, uh, things you've never talked about, secrets you've never shared, and you might need to spend some time uh, with some trusted leaders in, the, in, your, in our church here and in your community that, that are just like, okay, I need to get this out and confess this. I need to receive God's forgiveness. I need to, I need to share this. You, you might just have a grief and a loss or a sense of just like someone hurt you in life and there's some unforgiveness and bitterness there that you're like, hey, I've never really talked about this. I need to process this. There might be a little bit of snot and tears. Get a box of Kleenex. That's okay. But, but go there. And, and along with that second, we need to be praying. So repenting and second is praying. Uh, praying in prayer is really just about being with Jesus. So one of the ways that's really helpful is you might do this with silence, just being still before the Lord. Be still and know that I am God, the psalmist says. You might do this through reflection, uh, through journaling, through corporate prayer times with people in your life group or, or on Sundays. Uh, spend time praying, of fixing your eyes on Jesus, of being present with Jesus. Uh, third is fasting. Uh, we're going to be, as a church, uh, fasting in two different ways. If you are able to do a food fast, we want to invite you to take a day uh, every week. Maybe you need to build up to it. If this is new for you, start with a meal. Uh, then maybe go to two meals and then try and see if you can fast the full day. Uh, traditionally, a lot of times Fridays is a day that was fasted, but you pick a day that kind of makes sense. If, if there's a health reason that you cannot do a food fast, I want to invite you to do something like a social media fast, some kind of a digital fast. It's just kind of say, I'm going to block this out for the next 40 days and, and take some time away from that. But we want to intentionally fast to make space to be dependent on God and not these other things. And then the fourth way is giving. Uh, we've got ways of giving sacrificially. We, we want to give of ourselves, of our time, of our money, of our resources during this Lent season in intentional ways. So that might look like um, giving financially differently to the church or to the West Milford Community Pantry or other things like that. Maybe you befriend someone in need in the community, get to know them, and you maybe give to them. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways that you can give, but we want to encourage some of these practices, repenting, praying, fasting, and giving. All of these things get the focus off of us. They get the, us to fix our eyes on Jesus. They get us to enter into the way of Jesus in some really, into, in some really practical ways. So these four uh, are practical invitations for you. So that as we fix our eyes on Jesus and, and receive the Lord's good discipline and faithfully suffer, we will see his fruit on the other side. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite our worship team to come up. We're going to close in, in communion and prayer in just a moment. But um, what we're going to do is before we go to communion, uh, as the team's coming up, I just want you to take a moment to just reflect maybe in silence, and, and ask the Holy Spirit right now. Uh, I, I, I want everyone to participate in all four of these, repenting, praying, fasting, and giving. But is there a particular one, Holy Spirit, that I am wanting to shy away from, that you're saying that's the one you need to pay extra close attention to engaging in? So we're just going to take a minute in silence before we, we take communion and worship and, and just see if the Lord might be speaking to you about that. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.com.
www.thebrewingcoffee.org.